0: focused on diversity, equity, inclusion for leaders, career professionals, and anyone really looking to upskill themselves and be better allies. So make sure you check out our courses on LinkedIn Learning by clicking the link in the show notes. And let's just say you don't want to do that. When you go to LinkedIn Learning on LinkedIn, search Living Corporate, we'll be right there. All right. Peace. What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate, and man, so this has been a really cool series. Hopefully, if you've been keeping up, you know, every other week, uh, we've been having interviews with LiveRamp leadership, um, talking a bit about their DEI journey and and how um, direct equity inclusion f- strategically fits and works at LiveRamp. Uh, but then also, you should be seeing, like, on those off weeks, there's some blogs, there's some media um, related to live ramp further, right? And so I just hope that y'all are paying attention. And if you're not, hey, I'm not even gonna judge you. Click the link in the show notes on no more about what about the uh live ramp campaign. And um, you know, just keep up. You know what I'm saying? This conversation is super dope we're about to get into because we're continuing. We're like we're we're moving forward in this journey with LiveRamp, y'all keep up. Um this conversation we had was dope because it was a panel I'm um, really focused on the black woman's experience at Live RAMP, And we talk about, um, really, I try to stay out the way, to be honest. I mean, what am I talking about? I'm just really up to facilitate and let them speak. And hopefully you hear me do that. I'm not trying to like talk over uh, people who actually live the experience about what I think their experience is, which is, again, a lesson, something to note for some of y'all. Anyway, conversation for another time. (laughs) The point is, um, I'm excited for y'all to listen to this. I think it's, it goes without, it should go without saying, but it does not go without saying that black women are the most mistreated group of people on the planet. And because so often they have to deal with uh, way more nonsense, misogyny, racism, patriarchy. like they, they have to deal with all these things so often that, you know, it's the wisest thing we can do is listen to them. If they have a point of view They're talking about experience because they know they know. And I just want to thank um, the panelists. This is a really dope conversation. And uh, before we get into it, though, we're going to tap in with Tristan. But I cannot wait for y'all to hear it. See you soon.
1: What's going on, Living Corporate? It's Tristan, and I want to thank you for tapping back in with me as I provide some tips and advice for professionals. Today, let's talk about a couple of factors that will increase your chances of being seen by a recruiter on LinkedIn. Even though most of us know that LinkedIn is the largest professional social networking site on the Internet, many people still sleep on how clutch LinkedIn can be when it comes to your career. The platform provides opportunities for people to network, land jobs, and build businesses. According to a 2020 study conducted by Jobvite, 72% of recruiters utilize the platform to find and vet candidates. When I speak to people about LinkedIn, one of the first questions I'm asked is, how can I make sure that those recruiters actually find me? That's a great question. Let's talk about three factors that impact if you show up in recruiter searches. First up, similar to your resume, keywords are important there are a couple of places that are search optimized where you can infuse keywords and skills throughout your profile your headline is the first section next is your summary the third is your experience and the last is your skills section next is your location most recruiters run proximity-based searches when filling roles as many prefer to hire local candidates over candidates in another city if you're looking to move to an area i always suggest changing the location on your profile to that city or metropolitan area There's also the open to work feature that allows you to list up to five locations that you're interested in working in. The last factor is your level of engagement on the platform. LinkedIn tracks how active you are on the platform and sends more people your way if you post, comment, and message people using LinkedIn. They see this as an indicator that you are likely to respond to a recruiter if they message you. So if you truly wanna make sure a recruiter can find you on LinkedIn, make sure to take these factors into account. This tip was brought to you by Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Layfield Resume, or connect with me, Tristan Layfield, on LinkedIn.
0: Brittany, Sam, Ariana, what's going on, y'all? Nothing, much.
2: Hey.
0: Not much, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Let me tell you something. You know, we, we typically do one-on-ones on Living Corporate, but then, you know, from time to time, we'll do a panel. I'm excited uh, that we are we have a, a, a bit of a different format today. Um, I'm so, uh, what's the word? I don't want to say excited again, but I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Um, live Ramp, Black Women. In tech, black women at live ramp. I recognize I'm a man, so my intention is to talk the least amount. All right. Um, and listen,
3: right? <laughs> and listen and be quiet. Absolutely. Right? We'll yeah, with that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, I've
0: been married for like eight years. I'm finally starting to learn how to, you know what I'm saying, not talk so much, you know, and just kind of be quiet. And I got a, a little girl and she's talking. Yeah, she's talking quite. She's 17 months old, so her name is Emery. She's talking all the time. Anyway, let's do this roundtable. I'm not going to pick on nobody. Um, let's talk about your journeys in tech and how each of y'all got into LiveRamp.
4: Okay. Okay. Well, I'll start. Um, so I've never been in tech world. I mean, I've always been in corporate, but it's been more or less staffing. So this job just kind of landed in my lap. Um, and when it landed in my lap, I had no idea what LiveRamp was until I started interviewing and hearing all the tech words. And I was just like, oh, crap. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do this. I don't know anything about tech, you know, um, but working in, in, in HR, you you really just pick up the concept. It's all about people. I mean, no matter what world it's in, it's, it's just more or less about people. And so I'm still learning about the tech words and things like that, but that's just kind of how it landed in my lap, so.
3: I will go next. Um, so I always like to start out by saying I actually studied at music conservatory. <laughs> For college. Um, What did you play? Or what did you sing? Classical guitar.
0: Okay. Um, I play classical classical tuba.
3: Nice. Very nice. (laughs) Very cool. Important. Yeah. Um, And and for that reason, when I tell people that, they're like, okay, how the heck did you end up here? Um, So I didn't want to be part of the the typical performer struggle. So I made sure that I had a double major in business. Um, And so my first role was actually in ad operations at Spotify. So that was my first job. Um, and that is how I started in the ad tech world and in the tech space, and um, that led me to other opportunities, and that's why I ended up at Live Nice.
2: Nice. I'll I'll go last. Uh, It's only three of us. Um, So my path was um, marketing and international business. So I did undergrad at University of Tennessee, and then I got um, my graduate degree at University of South Carolina. My path was always going to be like marketing, like manager, director, CMO. I was like marketing, marketing, marketing. I never really thought about tech. I was more into like beauty. Um, But then when I was working at prior to LiveRamp, I was at State Farm headquarters in Bloomington, Illinois, working as a marketing manager. I led um, our uh, performance marketing team. So I ran a $250 million ad budget. I worked with all the partners in the industry. And so I had to learn those tech terms pretty quickly um, always wanted to live in New York. That was like my dream. So I'm meeting with my live ramp rep, uh, Julia, uh, Scribner. And she said, Hey, do you want to be poached? I said, yes. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, we only have sales roles. I was like, whatever. I love live ramp. I love New York. And then I was like, I already know everything about live ramp. And then I got here and I was like, I know nothing about live ramp. (laughs) And I know nothing about tech, but now I mean, like, it's a great environment, a great culture. So I'm in it now. And so I think I'm good.
0: That's so cool. You know, as I I hear each of y'all talk about, you know, your stories, none of them are traditional or or the ways that I don't know, like popular media seems to kind of like describe getting into tech. It sounds as if each of y'all were really engaged in your purpose, whatever that was at the time. And then things happened to just work together you know, to, to get here. You know, I'm curious, as you're pivoting and as you've pivoted into Live Ramp, and then of course you you know, y'all y'all been black your whole lives, we're in this season. True Facts. Right? right?
4: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so like we're in this season where like publicly supporting black women seems to be in vogue, right? So you have, you know, black women on front covers of magazines. You have different types of V C grants. Not enough of them to be clear. It's only like I think like point two or 3% of all VC investments are black women. But anyway, the point is there's more things happening um, in the public sphere around supporting black women. I'm curious for y'all, what is the difference between real and performative support for black women at work?
3: Yeah, um, so I guess I'll start. In my experience, it's really what well, your actions Say. Um, and I think in the tech space, I will say this as a blanket statement, but I think it's just very easy to say and then not do and kind of hide in the shadows again. And performative uh kind of activism to me looks like, you know, making sure that you join an employee resource group, making sure you're going to TED talks and chats about, you know, racism and uh, you know, or diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Um, and then, you know in your own life and when you're in your own influence not using your power if you have it to amplify the voices of women of color um and because you know it is quite rare to find black women in the tech space um we mostly have white leaders um and it's interesting being a manager now and working alongside these women as peers who in my past life and my past roles my past life <laughs> in my past roles, before I'm not dead i <laughs> <been here. laughs> um in my past roles have actually you know made it a point to kind of keep me from progressing and growing um my growth and my uh talent was usually seen as a threat um, and I think I have at LiveRamp found people who use their power and influence to make sure that they're leaving space and growth paths for women of color and making sure that they have, um, the same resources allocated to them that, you know, I think we're really not used to seeing.
1: Yeah.
2: I yeah. think that's a good point. I mean, it's one thing to, to talk about it and to do an Instagram post about it. It's another thing to be about it. So like from where I sit on the sales side, I mean, I'm all about uh, performance, all about numbers, all about, I mean, and having fun, but but um, I wanna do everything in my power for my performance to stand alone. But if I have to raise my hand, I don't wanna raise my hand and say something's not right. But if I do raise my hand, I'm doing it because something has been going on a long time that it's getting the way, in the way of my performance. And for me, what a real support from leadership looks like is saying, you know, we hope that's not what's happening, but your concern could be valid. And we want to, we want, let's talk about it. What's happening. Why are you being treated this way? Who was it? Let's explore it. I don't want to throw out. I don't want to throw anyone to the bus. I want to call HR. I don't want to, I don't want to raise my hand and say I'm different, but I think real support is more than just black women are cool. Let's support them. It's also like, um, something might not be right. And if it's not right, how do we fix it? How do we hear it? How do we make sure everyone's treated equally?
3: And kind of going off of that point, um, that's a great point that you made. Um, Another key difference is, you know, microaggressions, right? (laughs) And so Brittany, to your point about not wanting to be the one to raise your hand, it's like, we're put in positions where we have to do that. And then when we do that, it's just like, okay well you're the angry black woman who's being aggressive and adv- right. aka advocating for herself and it's like well if you're about it though then one you wouldn't see that as a stereotype that everyone else does and you would see that as just that self-advocacy and trying to you know get your performance noticed just like everybody else mm-hmm. and it's like I was put in a position where you know you weren't just naturally going to call on me in the sea of my white counterparts. I have to make sure that I'm here and that I'm noticed mm-hmm. and don't use that against me either.
4: Right. Yeah. Right. And I agree too. I think, you know, being in corporate American, almost, America, always, almost 20 years, I've been labeled as feisty, sassy, aggressive. And, you know, and I had to learn like, okay, that's overshadowing my talent and skills because my white counterpart didn't see, they didn't hear anything I said because they focused on my delivery. And so I had to become un- unapologetic and say, okay, I'm not going to change who I am. I mean, as long as I'm professional, I'm not going to change who I am. I mean, I'm no different than the white man over here who's yelling and cussing at the pier, you know, at mm, his peer. I'm it. no different. I'm no different. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just a different color than you. And so I, I became unapologetic and I've had experience where being to say, you know, you're just coming off aggressive. I said, okay, but did you hear what I said? So I'm not going to apologize to it. And I think too, is that I don't expect our white peers to be able to know, but I always say, just seek to understand instead of making assumptions, you know, just, just, and that to me says volumes when you're really seeking to try to understand the black and brown people and to do what you can to help us in the workplace versus Mm -hmm. making assumptions and let our aggressiveness overshadow our talent and skills so that that's 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 for me.
2: I would even say I agree we don't have the luxury of unawareness. Just know like from a black woman's perspective everything we do we're thinking about it. How's it going to come off? Did I, you know, like I I probably don't have the luxury of being late and you do. You know, everything is like I'm just thinking about it two or three times just to make sure, am I, am I doing the best that I can do how I'm doing it and following the rules and all that stuff? And, and not everyone has to think about that all the time. So I just want that to be aware of people to know that.
3: Yeah. And going off of that, I think in the tech space, we easily fall into the kind of colorblind mentality where it's just like working at tech companies for me and Spotify being my first role, like I kind of felt like it was first day orientation at college. Like that is very much like kind of how the culture (laughs) comes across. (laughs) And because of that, it's just like, oh, like, you know, we're all here for the same purpose. We care about the culture, like we accept you for who you are. But I think it's dangerous because then it kind of removes accountability for making sure that there are, you know, healthy and inclusive structures in place. And I think you guys both made good points about, you know, white counterparts just being insecure and acknowledging that there is a difference. There just is. (laughs) And I think unfortunately you tend to to stick out like sore thumbs when Like a star That makes you uncomfortable. But Mm -hmm. I think the first step is to acknowledge that there is a difference. It's not okay, Mm -hmm. but it is okay to, you know, do the necessary education and realize your privilege and realize like what you can do with it. Exactly. And it can be used for good. Yeah, it can.
0: You know what's interesting? And I, I've been saying this, like it's kinda like a joke, but it's not like, seems like white folks got a conscience around black humanity ever since they saw George Floyd being murdered on camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've been like, this is like, it's not a new thing. So I wonder, like, what is it about? Anyway, but anyway, so folks would reach out to me and they would say like, well, can we, you know, what about a mentorship program? Or like, you know, we can like coach you for this. And I've And I finally, I was on some podcast and it was this white woman's podcast, who is great, uh, Lori Ruderman. But anyway, I told her, I said, the thing about it is, what well, white people, Lori, you included, need to understand is that black folks don't actually need your advice or your guidance. Mm-hmm. We just need your things, like yes. you know what I'm saying. Like <laughs> you know what I'm We just need the you need the stuff. <laughs> yeah. <right? laughs> yeah. We, we there's a there's a there's a proven historical quantitative quantitatively measurable like huge chunk of time that we can point at and show that black folks have continued to do, particularly black women, do way more with just a little bit of something. So what would it look like if we actually had an equitable amount of resources to execute? So we don't really need you to tell us. We already know what you're trying to coach us on. We've been known that, right? Like we don't (laughs) actually need you to tell us that. Like we have to like to the whole point I heard a lot about just and even in what y'all were just saying is like Hyper awareness. Like we don't just yeah. black women don't just do things to do them. There's like three or four different, five six fiddle them calculations that go into even the email <laughs> that you write.
3: Yeah, right. let alone <laughs> like
0: like you know what you wear and like you're, like you're like don't get me started on that on your hair like all everything how you <laughs> oh even present goodness. yourself. Oh yeah, there's so much thought that happened right. There's so much that happens, and so we don't really need you to tell us what to do. Give us your resources.
3: And we don't need more mentorship programs. No. And I think at a lot of these institutions that they're used as almost yep. like figureheads or placeholders yes. to say that we have a diversity program, yes. but then it's like, it's check okay, box. so there's a job. Right. right. It's a checkbox. Uh-huh. There's a job open. I have the qualifications. I have the receipts. Put me in the job. Yeah, right. Not, Don't tell me we have a development program that will kind of, you know, groom you to be ready for this position it's just like you mm-hmm. know i'm ready now mm-hmm.
4: yeah what are you grooming um, me for to right to not be so black and, like what is it like right. yeah. and
3: zach to your point like <laughs> we <laughs> this is not new to us we did not start thinking about this up just because we entered a corporate space mm-hmm. to some extent i think we've all been brought up with it mm-hmm. and i know personally my parents have always you know, reminded me that I have to work twice as hard to have half of what mm-hmm. my white counterparts have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that journey is exhausting. It is. But it's one that I think you internalize very early on. Um, and you, right. you know, in a way become empowered by, but you still, it's still okay to admit that that is tiresome. Yeah. It and is. Yeah. <laughs> you reach a point where you've had enough. <laughs> yeah,
4: exactly. Yeah.
0: I've I've had some conversations, and I've I've told some folks flat out. I said, you know, when we talk about diversity inclusion programs, or we talk about um rep, like increasing representation, or we talk about increasing pipeline, and the first thing y'all the first thing you default to is like a coaching program or mentor mm-hmm. program. I said, you know, that's racist, right? That's right. that's racist because the implication is, oh, these black folks not really that smart.
1: We got to mm-hmm. get them up to speed. Yeah.
0: And then they'll be worthy of placement in the manager program or placement in the executive level or placement in the C-suite or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. When the reality is, again, like, I don't know, I just, I continue to marvel at what we choose to read and not read about us, our, our own history. Like, we've been performing. We, mm-hmm. What we don't have is opportunity. Now, you said something, Sam. And I'm not going to skate away from this. You said, you're trying to change to be less white. And I have said that. Now, this is a live ramp sponsored uh uh podcast. So I'm not gonna use the term, but I will after we get off this recording, I'm gonna tell y'all the term I'll be using for that. Cause we are they do try to de-blackify us sometimes. They do. do. Mm-hmm.
4: They do. Right? They it's mm-hmm. like they this coaching and development program, it's like I'm trying to train you to be less black and more like me because in their eyes, they're good. They 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 made it. They're good, they're polished. We need the polishing and the grooming in their eyes, and that's why I'm just like. No, we I have the same qualifications. I I don't need your grooming or your polishing up. So yeah. That's why I always
2: push hard for um okay, like with my at my last job at State Farm, what are the boxes? I've walked in saying I wanna be a manager, but I'm an analyst right now. What are the boxes I need to check? I had to go take these tests, I had to do all this stuff. I'm like, give me boxes, I'll check boxes none of this is subjective. And then, and they did that. And I checked the boxes and, you know, there was some extra items and then, you know, then it all worked out long story short. But when you make it more objective and you make it the same for everyone and you make the rules clear and you publish the, the rules, then I feel good. Then I feel good. I don't feel mm-hmm. like it's a race thing. I, I feel like it's attainable. And then I can hold you accountable to the rules you created when it's like, Oh, you know, he's just been here forever. He's just great. Don't you? I think he's great. You think he's great. He's just, they should manage everything. Like that's, I don't have, a, I have yeah. a problem with that. Yeah.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think too, from an HR perspective is that, you know, I hear leaders say, well, they're not a good culture fit or their personality, mm-hmm. their personality don't go. And I'm like, what does that mean? What qualifications do they have? Have they met the qualifications? You said, have, you met, mm-hmm. have they, you know, checked all the boxes? I mean, I don't know what personality or culture fit means. What, what does that mean? In your world, that's a different mm-hmm. story than in my eyes. So I'm going to stay away from that. And we're not going to even, we're right. going to disregard that. And let's focus on their yeah. skills and their talents.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. The whole idea of culture fit has just been so dangerous. Yes. Um, and it <laughs> yes. really just means, you know. They're not like me. Do I want to be best friends exactly. with this person outside of exactly. work? Exactly. Do I want to go to happy hour with just them. like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that's really what it is uh-huh. and people i i mean i've worked with hiring managers who have said that yep. and you know roundtable discussions after interviewing a candidate it's like well they seem like really dope i think we could easily hang out with them and i'm just like why are we hanging out with them yeah like, <laughs> can they do the job
4: can we just focus <laughs> like, on, on the work like it's great
3: right like can they do the job what does their resume say i notice that this person doesn't have the proper qualifications to be successful in this role mm-hmm. I'm sorry that they happen to be white. Yeah. But yeah. and I've been in situations where I'm like, well, we have this woman or this man, and you know, I see initiative in this resume, I see drive, I see um willingness to learn might not have the degree that you wanted from the place that you wanted. Uh-huh. Right. But I know this person can come in the door and kill it. Yeah. Mm, this person happens to be a person of color. What are we really talking about now? Exactly. Exactly. What's the culture fit? Because yeah. I right. was like. I see a diversity of perspective, thought, and race and ethnicity. How is this not adding to a team that you say you want to build? Uh-huh. Ask yourself the real questions.
4: The difference is what builds the team. Everyone brings a different skill set. That's what builds it, and that's what makes a team thrive. So,
0: it's so interesting, right? Even in this whole like to your to your statement earlier, uh, Ariana, around diversity of thought diversity of skill set, diversity of education and how white folks create extra lenses and language and arguments to really like dismiss uh, black and brown experience or dismiss black and brown representation. Because like the truth of the matter is we know that a black or a brown person is going to have diverse thought, perspective and experience juxtaposed to their white counterpart. Like we don't even have to like go down these like intellectual rabbit holes. Like we know that. Um, To that end, I'm actually curious. I'm going to speak as a man. A black man but, and a man, not but a man <laughs> and a man. Uh, I engage in corporate spaces and I sometimes I feel like gener- generationally there's challenge. There's challenge sometimes when I try to reach out to like Gen X or baby boomer black folks to help me and like kind of reach back. I feel like there's a certain sometimes a, a divide. And I'm curious, you know, what experience or, um, do y'all have in receiving support or reaching back to kind of like lift as you climb for other black women at work
2: it's a great question Mm -hmm. i would say so in in my roles any anyone who wants to reach out to me who is new i'm always open to mentorship usually as much as i can when there's a new person i reach out say hey welcome to library or whatever company i've been at Um, The opposite way, um, I I probably haven't done that much outreach at LiveRamp itself, but definitely at State Farm, I reached out to leaders of color um, just to understand their journey, especially women. Uh, Everyone was very open. Um, I, I don't know, I think a lot of people are open to have a chat and to meet and to give advice, but I don't know if people are in a room saying, have you met her? Have you talked to her? We have this thing coming up, her name. I don't know if they're advocating they're friendly and they're open, but I can't tell if they're a, sp- a sponsor you know
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and similar to that point, what I've experienced is that you know if I do find you know black people at a company who are in higher positions who like seemingly do have the influence and the power to you know mentor you and help lift you up, I quickly realize that they're still climbing themselves mm. and I think I have to be really real for a second and just say, like, it's unfortunate that, regardless of the hierarchy and the level that you're coming in at, um, it's still it's still a fight with each other. Like, there's still definitely direct competition with Black women in particular to fill these roles because it's not easy for anyone. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, if we had real pipelines to develop people from entry level straight out of college to upper management then you are more willing to make time and space um to bring up people underneath you um and i think unfortunately like we're just still at a time where there's just not the numbers just aren't there <laughs> and i think you know something that i've tried to be very aware of just as a hiring manager is being very transparent about this in the interview process as well because i think um you know i have a few black people on my team which I'm very proud of um and something that they've asked me especially if they interview on site is just like you know what's LiveRamp's plans for diversifying the pipeline I'm not really seeing a lot of people like me and it's just like look I'm very happy that I was given the opportunity to become a manager and I don't take that lightly and this is what I'm personally doing to make sure that I have room left for y'all. But I get that it's a privilege, even as a Black woman in a tech space at LiveRamp, to be able to have that time and resources to kind of develop my own program within my own purview. And I just don't think a lot of people have gotten that opportunity.
2: It's crazy that it feels like there are limited spots. I mean, the way you talk about it, it's like, it's like the NFL. And there are only so many spots. And it's like, what? There are plenty of management positions and frankly companies reorganize. Like now it's like every month they reorganize. like organized into some more positions. But
3: And why is it that each team is only comfortable having like one or a couple of black people? Right. You know, yeah, it's don't like, overload it to with too many few, black people. But not if there's a bunch because y'all are gonna be in the cafeteria <laughs> laughing and cackling together. At the water cooler. <laughs> I've literally been told before. Really? There yeah, there's a group of people who sit in the in the cafeteria, black people, and you know, you guys are laughing and having a great time. And it's making people yes, and it's making people uncomfortable. uncomfortable. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, first of all, this was a boss that I used to have. I said, please name the people. I want her to name each one so I could say we're all black and what are we doing? Eating lunch like everybody else. Yeah. That's Living. what I'm saying. Living. Living. Whoa. Um and because of experiences like that, Brittany similar to what you were saying before. It's sad because we end up competing against each other and then it's like, you know, I don't want to be in a space where I'm scared to like associate with other black people because of like mm-hmm. the implications that my white counterparts are projecting
4: onto us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can relate to and again, I'm HR so I'm kind of different because I have to I have to stay in the middle. I have to be unbiased, mm-hmm. I have to be objective. And so if I reach out to too many black people or make myself too accessible to too many black people, then my white counterparts are going to feel like, OK, she's showing favoritism mm-hmm. or she's thinking mm. to her kind or whatever. Mm. And so I have to really stay in the middle. But, you know, I feel like in my career, I, I've treated everybody right. I, I haven't discriminated. I, I've done right by anyone. And if I, you know, connect with a black person, I just Hoping that they share and say, "Hey, Sam is a good confidant for you to talk to, or what have you," and they kind of meet me in the middle with that. But it's kind of hard because sometimes I do want to just come over here to the black side, but I have to stay in the middle so I won't be perceived as showing favoritism. So it's it's a different situation for me.
3: Well, I gotta tell you on Sam's behalf because Sam and I work closely together. <laughs> And, you know, HR HR stuff is hard, so it's not always for the best situations, the best reasons, but it is so nice to have a black woman in this world yes. where we could just keep it real, especially when we have to talk about things that are not easy to discuss. Yes. And she gets where I'm coming from, yeah. she understands my thought process, she understands what I'm up against. And it's just really helpful, and she does it while being unbiased. So kudos to you.
4: Thank you. I, 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 you know, that's a good thing about it is that when I do connect with a black person, I definitely relate and understand the situation and have the conversations with you that I may not be able to have with the white counterpart. So definitely. So thank you.
0: <laughs> Shout out to all the black HR folks who are kin folk and not just skin folk. You know what I'm talking about, because right. uh, yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> <laughs>
2: But to your point, Ariana, sometimes you feel like, and I never really consciously thought of it like that. um, But sometimes you feel like you'd be pigeonholed if you try to connect with black people. Or sometimes you Mm -hmm. feel, and and I do feel sometimes black people feel like they have to put up a front in that I don't. I'm going to be less friendly to you so I can have you know so I can feel fit in elsewhere, which is so ridiculous to even say it like that. But Mm -hmm. I think we feel a lot of pressure that we're being watched all the time. And so that people react to that in different ways when really we should just be going to work and doing our jobs, but it like we can't because <laughs> of all this ancillary stuff.
3: Right. And, you know, I think all three of us on this call are, are members of Blackout Library, mm-hmm. um, yep. which is an ERG that we just started a year ago. And I definitely it definitely turned some heads when people join because then it was just like (laughs) like I thought you were just happy to like be here and like have a job like why are you why do you need this sense of agency like are you not happy with what you're getting and it's just like yeah why can't people just say why can't people just say like this might not be something that I understand but Mm -hmm. I support why are you threatened by my need to have community Mm -hmm. oh it's because you're used to being in the majority okay
2: I was was debating whether to say this, but it feels like a very safe space. But, um, you know, I'm part of Black at Live Ramp. I'm part of all the things. And I understand, like, from an ERG perspective, anyone should be able to join. Any ERG, the Mm -hmm. openness, I'm all about it. But I'm also, like, also very busy. So I go to stuff. I don't go to stuff. I should go to more stuff. But this, that last week, I went to the Black uh, Mental Wellness Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. Monthly Mm -hmm. Session for the first time. And honestly, I went because in the email... um, or the Slack message, um, there was a note that said, this is if you identify as Black. And something about that made me relax. And mm-hmm. that like, um, I don't know, it was just, I, I just didn't want to be in another group where, like every, like sometimes I feel like when you don't identify as the group and you're in the group thing, you're like there to watch us.
4: You have to That's observe. Kind of yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you kind of got to still be guarded in what you say because you don't want to come. the yeah, purpose. Yeah, exactly. Well,
3: it's tough. And, like, just speaking yeah. as, like, one of the, the co-presidents, like, I'm going to keep it real. Like, we had to do that because, you know, I also led the ERG at Spotify. And since Black people are the fewest in number, in order to get the same resources
2: mm. as the
3: other ERGs, you need, there's power in numbers. And so most of your group is going to be allies. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> But it's difficult when you think right. about, like, what the purpose of the ERG is, and that is to create a safe space of community for people who identify yeah. as Black. And so with those mental health calls, we're just like, how how can we, you know, talk about mental health explicitly and openly, mm-hmm. openly if we are amongst people who cannot relate to our experience?
2: Yeah. And what was interesting, it wasn't even that I had something like dramatic to say. It was just like, oh, no. cool, I'm just going to be here and hang out. We talk about Simone Biles, talk about a lot of stuff. And, but I don't have to be on. Like, I don't have to like think, how am I going to say this? I need to say a certain word. I mean, it's just like, oh, OK, we just hang out and be relaxed.
3: Yeah. Right. <laughs> and also was, Simone Biles. It, it was nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk <laughs> about like how much oh. Simone Biles' experience just projects into like our everyday lives at work? Exactly. Because let me tell you, the reaction that white people had to her was just like, well, what's the matter with you?
4: You you need like, to suck so it up. You knew this, us. yeah. You knew this before you got into this, and I'm just like, man. what do you mean you
3: have mental health issues? Yeah. What does that mean? Explain yeah. it to us. Pick it apart. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, okay. Well, this feels quite real. <laughs> Why don't black women take more sick days yeah. for the same reason? Yeah,
2: yeah,
4: yeah. yeah.
3: Mm. Deep, deep
2: stuff. We gotta hang <laughs> yep. out more often. I'm like, I need to hang out with you guys. Yeah. What's
0: going on? We <laughs> I need I to do make do this it. a recurring <laughs> series. we need to do? I think we do. Put in a little section. <laughs> mm-hmm, for real. And I'll just sit back and go. <laughs>
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: I ask a couple of probing right. questions and be quiet <laughs> um, so it's it's interesting you know one this has been an incredible dialogue you know I, I gave y'all's word that we, I would respect y'all's time um, side note for those listening to this at live ramp and outside of live ramp respect black women's time you know what I mean like in general just as in life you know you schedule a meeting you book the time show up on time and finish the meeting Oof, on time yeah. All right.
4: You know what I'm saying?
0: You say you're gonna do something? Just do what you say. Don't respect the time. <laughs> do
4: what you say. We, say we all have mean. a very
0: we all have a limited amount of it. You can't get it back. So all right. With that being said, last question for everybody here. Big question. And it's a two-part question. All right. So first of all, what are you most proud of at Live Ramp right now? And then what would you say stands to need the most change at Live Ramp?
2: So most proud of I'm gonna do a two part most proud of most proud of uh, LiveRamp as a company I really do believe in our position in the tech ecosystem and um, what we're doing and I've worked with a lot of different tech partners in my roles client side and otherwise and I just feel like we're ahead of the game the way we're thinking about it the way we're bringing companies together I'm very impressed and proud to be uh, a part of that and then the other proud is personally at LiveRamp for me to go into a sales role at such a dynamic company and to see success. Um, I'm really proud of myself to be able to do that and for live ramp, taking a chance on someone who has never been in a sales world before. So um, love that. As far as what could be improved, I think it's like, like Ariana, like seeing more people like me in management. Um, yeah it's cool that we're being more accountable and we have these calls where we talk about the report. But let me tell you, the first time I saw that diversity report and they went through the different um, ethnicities and black was this little bitty blue line. It was just this tiny little, little line.
3: <laughs> I was like, 100%.
2: I was like, There's just, I think I'm the only person like who. And then I started going through work day. I'm like, who's black at Live? I don't even know. And so, <laughs> so it was, it's good. We're aware. It's good that we're working on it, but I want to see, people who look like me in roles and roles and speaking at ramp up being in leadership roles having influence on the zooms on the all hands like i just want to see i'm going to feel more open to be open when i see more people who look like
3: me uh brittany i definitely agree um i'm proud of live ramps product i think i'm proud that we are you know so the leaders in our product and in the industry and i am happy to work alongside people who are motivated by that um, and seek to keep it going. It's just one, it's great job security. (laughs) But two, I think it just creates a very energetic and positive work environment. Um, I'm also proud of, I think, just the trust that I think has been put in me as an employee of the company um, with You know, me being a Black woman with my, you know, past career choices, um, you know, I became a manager six months into this job, coming in as an IC in a department that was brand new, and I got to build a a team from scratch. Um, And I am happy that I work alongside people who recognize my accomplishments, acknowledge my strengths, um, support and develop my weaknesses. And are just not threatened at the fact that I have clout at this company and that I'm listened to and that I am heard. Um, I think in terms of improvement, I think we've come a long way in terms of acknowledging that diversity, Brittany, to your point, is something that we need to work on. Um, because I think as of last year, I was one of three Black people managers hmm. in the whole company. I don't
2: even know, you know.
3: Yeah. Um, which was which is an appalling number. And I think we only had like fifteen to twenty black people out of like fifteen hundred. And I was like, where mm-hmm. is work to be done. And basically I said this on a panel with the CEO present, and I was just like, you know, I hope I don't get fired after saying this. But <laughs> I was just like, We have to acknowledge it's uncomfortable, but we have to acknowledge that a lot a lot of hiring managers at this company are choosing to hire mm-hmm. people that they're comfortable with, who look like them, who, let's be real, do not always have the qualifications needed for the job. And you know that Mm -hmm. because you have to work with some of these people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I know that too. I've (laughs) it And I think, you know, it's an uncomfortable space for us to be in, but we have the resources to correct those numbers and reflect what the world looks like today. And I would also like to see LiveRamp show more comfort in speaking out against racism in America you have if you're going to have a higher number of people of color at this company you need to acknowledge what we go through when we well virtually sign off from work these days but when we're mm-hmm. back in you know in the office when we leave this office
2: mm-hmm.
3: um you know last summer was very telling in terms of what people were comfortable with and what they weren't you know i when the when the whole george floyd thing was happening i wasn't out there protesting cuz covid was very real right but, I couldn't necessarily show up and talk about, you know, <laughs> identity links, Brittany, and <laughs> right. a meeting when people I'm trying like, to, I'm just like out here trying not to get killed, you know? Wait, right,
2: people, and, I had, I'm sorry to jump in, but just to you said, I couldn't believe I had people ask me, are you going to go protest? I want to be like, you've heard of COVID, right? <laughs> like I am black, but I, I also want to be alive. I was like, I can't even, we had calls, managers had calls with everyone to make sure people are okay. I get that, but I was like, but okay, I'm, what? I'm gonna be the only black person in this call. Are they gonna ask me questions? I don't want that to happen. No one did, thank goodness. But then it's yeah. also like the expectation. I'm like, I've got to be black. I got to do my job, and I got to not get sick. So anyway, we can keep going. I just want to throw that in.
3: No, no. And to your point, like just because we're not out protesting doesn't mean that we're not angry, and it doesn't mean that we're not affected. Uh-huh. And. You're asking me if I'm okay, but then you're still asking me if I can squeeze in like three meetings today that weren't previously scheduled before. So, like, is my time <laughs> and my mental health really being valued here? Great. And also, I was like, I see other tech companies releasing emails, tweets, statements about supporting the Black community, whether that's performative or not. I was like, I haven't heard anything from y'all. And <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I and I know I'm not the only person who has said this, and I think we still have a lot of work to do in terms of addressing our discomfort with taking a stand with certain things. Um and I think once that starts to happen a bit more, I will only feel more confident in, you know, live ramp
4: as an organization. So um for me, there's two things. So Um, I think one of the things I'm proud of is that I have an awesome manager, Melissa Glover. She's a white lady. And what I love about her is that she admits, she's like, Sam, I I don't understand what you're going through, but you know, we could talk about it, help me understand. And she's definitely open-minded. She don't make any judgments. And, you know, she, she's, she's just very easy to talk to about situations when I'm dealing with just as a black woman. I'm like, look, I don't feel comfortable with doing this. And it's because I'm a black woman. She's like, Hey, mm-hmm. I, I don't understand, but I'm going to support you. And and sometimes that's all it takes is someone to support you and admit that, you know, I don't understand. I can't relate what you're going through, but help me understand, educate me mm-hmm. so I can know. Um, I think the second thing is the diversity inclusion program that we're working on. Um, that's ramping up. We still have a long way to go, but being a part of that makes me feel good because I can be um, impactful on the policies that we develop, making sure that everyone is getting fairly treated across the board or what have you. Um, The only thing I think that we need to work on, I think Brittany, maybe you said that, but, but I think that because there's not a lot of black people in the company is bringing on more black people is going to cause people to get outside of their comfort zone and get used mm-hmm. to that and having to be a part to really just educate them and really teach them like hey it's okay we're not scary black people we're not here to hurt you you know <laughs> we're just here to get our chance in the world just like you have it so i think that's going to that's the thing that we really have a long way to go especially getting into leadership roles is leadership not making that that assumption about Black women, Black men, or what have you, but just really educating them on that we can be a good resource and, and, and good, you know, just as good as you are. So I, I think that's one of the things that we have to a long way to work on. So
0: I'll say this is, first of all, this has been a great conversation. And before we wrap up, and I say my goodbyes and my thank yous to LiveRamp and everything, I will say it is important for organizations to not only have and make appropriate public statements because um, they do have employees that work there and beyond beyond even even if you have an all-white company these are still humanitarian issues so we should speak to these things period because they impact all of us as human beings but the reality of white supremacy patriarchy capitalism and misogyny you know kind of tribalize us in ways that are unproductive but I'm just saying ideally you would speak on these things anyway and Ariana, I agree that those statements should happen and they should be paired with tangible, practical, sustainable policies and procedures for that company to enact, to actually create inequity, inclusion, organizational justice. So, Absolutely. Listen, um, people ask, like, what does Living Corporate do? Living Corporate. We create content that centers and episodes black and brown folks at work. I'm so proud of this panel of this conversation shout out to live ramp listen um y'all in charge y'all heard what's going on over here i'm not going to cut these edits out and i'm not cutting out this part either uh thank you so much to Brittany, ariana and sam and uh shout out to live ramp this is one of uh of a few different leadership spotlight series we're doing living corporate at live ramp we will catch y'all soon Thank y'all. Y'all can all come back. Now, y'all don't have to come back. It's LiveRamp. Let's come back and talk. All right? Y'all, don't be strangers. Yeah,
2: okay. Absolutely. We'll hold you to we'll it. Love to. We will. We'll, we'll. Thank yeah.
0: you, Zach. Thanks. All right, y'all. Peace. And we're back. Yo. Super cool conversation. You know, like, last week I was talking about LiveRamp's willingness to have uncomfortable conversations to just keep it real. And... That willingness to do that helps us just really create dope content at Living Corp. Like that's what we're here for, right? Like I don't want to just have a really cool brand on and be like, oh, we had this company, we work with them, and but like we didn't really, you know what I'm saying, like get to the meat of anything. Like we're just kind of playing the dance, like doing the dance. That's not that's not our vibe, that's not our steed. So again, like I'm really, really I walked away from this conversation just feeling feeling seen and feeling appreciative that there's a space and culture where folks can feel like they can be themselves and even speak so candidly and frankly about their experience. And so, you know, I just, I want to thank LiveRamp again. If you haven't caught up again on the series that we got going on with Live Ramp, click the link in the show notes, take you to everything. You want to learn more about each of the panelists, make sure you click the links in the show notes. Okay. Uh, We'll catch you soon. Make sure to give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Till next time, this has been Zach. Peace.
1: Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for musical elevation. Post production is handled by Jeremy Jackson.